we've been studying the book of James. Uh, at least I hope you know we've been studying the book of James. Um, if not, I, I don't know where you've been the past couple of months, but that's okay, because we're going to be in James today. So if you have your Bibles, you can open it to James 4 and verse 13 to 17 is where we're going to begin. But before we get into that, I think it's, it's apropos in this passage to discuss the idea of time, right? And uh, no spoilers, but um, even a superhero movie that just released is all about time. And I think that with us being fleeting human beings, we concern ourselves with how much time I got left. How much can I fit into today? What can I accomplish today with my time? How can I better use my time? And so it's, it's within that frame that we have people who will then profit on that. Um, the first time that I ever experienced someone like this, uh, I was around about 13, and we were at a youth camp, and they released us into downtown Gatlinburg. Now, if any of you have been into downtown Gatlinburg, you know what a mini New York City that place is. So we were released into downtown Gatlinburg, and you go into all the shops and the side shops and see what all of them have, which they all have the same thing. Um, but you, I stumbled into this one shop, and it wasn't until I stumbled in that I realized I should have stumbled out. Um, but I got into the shop, and this lady kind of came out, and she was like, oh, I've seen you in my dreams. <laughs> and I'm like, better not have. <laughs> Um, but I'm, I'm only 13, so I'm like really confused. I'm like, ah. She's like, would you like me to read your palm? And I didn't know much, but I knew that wasn't good. So I was like, no, thank you. Good. She's like, well, I have a crystal ball, and I can tell you your future. And I said, well, why are you in this small building if you know lottery numbers? <laughs> And uh, she got mad at me, and I left. But the idea being that people actually visit these places to see about their future, to see about what's going to happen. Again, in middle school, we would do uh, stupid little games where we would take names and cross off numbers and put them on a chart, and you were going to fall in love at 15, right? But we are obsessed with knowing the future. We're obsessed with knowing what's coming next. And James kind of pulls it back and he says, we're going to talk for a minute about that. So in James, verse 13, if you guys will stay with me uh, and, and just a reference to the word of God as we read. Um, arise. Boy, that was, <coughs> I like power like that. So, uh, all right. Uh, in verse 13 it says, come now. You who say, today or tomorrow we will travel to such and such a city and spend a year there and do business and make profit. You do not know what tomorrow will bring. What is your life? You are in the midst of the fears for a little time and then vanishes. Instead, you should say, if the Lord wants us to, we will live and we will do this or that. But if you, if you boast about your proud intentions, intentions all such boasting is evil. Therefore, anyone who knows what is right but fails to do it 
is guilty of sin. This is the word of the Lord. You may be seated. So I love James for this. Uh, James has kind of a, conf a confrontational but conversational tone. I like when I can trace ideas through scripture. I think sometimes I, um, as pastors, we're guilty of treating scripture like a baseball. We'll pull it out and we'll just throw it at you, right? Um, but I love the idea that when things are traveling through scripture, that ideas flow. And so James is perfect at this. Uh, if you kind of continue back and think back uh, all the way two weeks ago, I know it's a long time, but if you think all the way two weeks ago, we remember that the idea of, of speaking ill against your neighbor. And even before that, we remember about the idea of having wisdom from above and how it flows that into not only having wisdom from above, but having love for one another. And so it's almost as if he's saying, you know, I want you guys to see my train of thought. We start here, we focus on everyone else, and then we're coming now back to you. And so that's where we're at today. We're at, to, we're at you. So, James, again, says, Come now, you who say, Today and tomorrow we'll travel to such and such a city. We'll spend a year there and do business and make profit. So, let's transport kind of the context of this passage to us. The Jews are experiencing at this time a time period which they have not yet such experienced. Now, most of us know that one of the reasons that Jerusalem is so contested is because it's actually the center of trade route. Uh, not so much now, everyone can fly. But before, they couldn't, right? So it was a central trade route where you could land ships, and you could go and you could travel in down into Egypt. You could travel north into uh, what's now Turkey. You could travel even further to the east. And so it became a central hub. And James is writing and saying, listen, I know that right now we're in an economic boom and you guys are having all this stuff going, so I'm going to talk to you people who are making these plans. Because the plans are not bad, but let me talk to you. He says, listen, I know you're going to travel to such and such city, you're going to do business there, you're going to make profit. Now I want you to important to see before we move on, James is not degrading any of these things. He's not saying it's bad to start a business. He's not saying it's bad to have a business. He's not saying it's bad to make profit. None of those things are, are in a negative context with James. He wants you to know these are okay things. But watch, he says this. You don't know what tomorrow will bring. Okay, that's where the, the crux of James' um, focus is at. Now, I told you that I loved it when everything goes through Scripture and kind of finds its way through. So... We're going to be hopping around a bit. You guys don't have to hop with me. I've done all the hopping for you. Um, but James is drawing attention almost to a, a couple or at least one Old Testament passage that he's bringing out. Now, what's the significance of this? Well, it teaches us that the Old Testament is not just old, right? Some of the most wonderful things you can learn are from things that are old. Yes. So... In Proverbs, it says this. Proverbs 27, verse 1, it says, Don't boast about tomorrow, for you don't know what a day might bring forth. And that's it. That's a simple quip, right? 
Don't boast about tomorrow. You don't know what it's going to bring. But James is taking that. He says, listen, I'm going to expand on this just a hair. Because that's simple. It's a truth. I don't think any of us are struggling with that truth. But James says, I'm going to expand on what that actually says. So jumping back into James, he says, you don't know what tomorrow will bring or what your life will be. For you're like a smoke or a mist that appears for a little while and then it vanishes. It vanishes away. So it's almost like James is, is, is getting to us to think about many of you like boating and fishing, correct? Uh, if you've ever been on a lake in early morning, you know what I'm saying when I say a mist settles on the water, right? You, have, you can't really see much, but if you've ever been in a heavy fog, uh, traveling back here, uh, the last time I was home, I, I settled into a heavy fog and I couldn't see on the interstate. The idea being that sometimes, even in a fog, you can't see. And I love that imagery that, that James is putting here. He says, listen, think about a mist, right? Think about a fog. That's your life. And it can go like that. And you don't know where a cloud ends or begins. Like when you're in fog, you don't know how, how far it goes back. You don't know how far forward it goes. You can drive five feet and be out. And that's where our lives are like sometimes. And it's not that you guys don't have plans and, and things. Proverbs also says that we make our plans, but the Lord directs our steps. God will always give you the steps to take in your own life, but you can make plans. There's nothing wrong. What James is saying here is says, you got to know that when you make plans for yourself, you include something extra as a Christian. You don't just say, I'm going to go and do these things and be these things, and that's just what's going to happen. Because if that was the case, I wouldn't be here. Some of you don't know, but I'll tell you now. Um, in high school, I decided that um, I was not good at math. And I found the one science I liked that didn't require too much math, which was geology. Um, so I like rocks, I like minerals, I like the study of, of tectonic plates and stones and all sorts of things. I enjoy those things. I'm a nerd. It happens. But I enjoyed those things so much that I decided I was going to be a volcanologist. I was going to study volcanoes for the rest of my life. I was going to be the dude in the big tin, and look at me, the big tin foil suit. Right? I would have probably set something on fire reflecting the sun. Just. But I was going to be that. I was going to do those things. And God reminded me, he said, Brett, you don't make decisions alone. And it was at that moment that he kind of gripped my heart and said, no, no, no. You, you can like that, but you have to love me. And it changed my course. It changed my direction. It changed what I saw because, you see, I only saw... And I saw this long life ahead of me. And God's like, no, 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 you can't really see that. And it was almost like if you look in the Old Testament, the idea of when Elijah says, Lord, open his eyes. And, and the, the servant opens his eyes and sees angels all around him. It was almost like God opened my eyes. And I saw my life as nothing more than just my next step. So that's the beauty of Scripture. When we, when we have VBS, and I always love VBS because it makes us uh, quote creeds. And, uh, and pledges, which is always fun. 
Um, but when we quote the Pledge of Allegiance to the Bible, we call it a lamp unto my feet and a light unto my path. And it wasn't until I was in college that I realized what an actual lamp to your feet was. And this is the best picture I can come up with. So we were hiking at a place, and this is going to foreshadow the entire story. It was called the Devil's Marble Yard. I'll throw it stuff. All right. And um, we hiked back in there, and it was just, just take it from me. It'll distract me all day. Um, so we were hiking back into the marble yard. It's about a mile hike in, a mile hike out. And I hike back in, and the sun starts lowering, and I'm just, like, experiencing God's splendor. I'm just like, this is beautiful, you know? And I stand up, and both quads cramp immediately. And I can't walk. So I'm stuck inside this little boulder area, thinking to myself, I'm going to die. And the sun goes down. Now, you don't want to be on the mountain when the sun goes down. I didn't pack a flashlight. What I had was my cell phone. So this is the lamp unto my feet and the light unto my path. Was for an entire mile out of the mountain, I would take a step, I would pull out my Motorola Razor flip phone, that was awesome, and I would take a picture with the flash on, and it would flash, and I would see the path, and I would take a step, and I would take a picture with the flash on. And that's how I got out of the mountain. And it was at that day I realized that God has not promised me that I can see my entire path. God never told me, Brett, when you get here, you're going to see everything all the way to the end of your life. I'm going to tell you exactly how it's going to shake out. I'm going to tell you exactly what's going to happen. That was never promised to me. What he said is, I'm going to light your path. Your next step, I've got you. Trust me for that one. And sometimes in the life, that is our mist, our misty life, sometimes it's like, God, I can't see the bottom. I don't know where my foot lands. And he's like, yeah, but your next step's on me. And sometimes we start going down and, and it gets lower and lower and lower. And we're just going, like, I don't know if there's a bottom to this. But I've learned something that when God tells you to jump, he's always going to catch you. Like Indiana Jones, when he starts like walking on the crevice. You kind of just have to trust God in some things. And James is saying, listen, this is about knowing what you have in your life. As a Christian, you're not promised the end. You're promised the very end, right? He says, after you die, I can tell you what that looks like. I can tell you what beauty that is. That's the glorious day. That's that part. But up until that point, I can only give you your steps. And James is reminding us, he says this, Instead you should say, if the Lord wills, we'll live and do this or that. You see, God has a, a will for all of us. And some of it is revealed to us. One of the Lord's wills for your life is that you tell the gospel to those around you. It's given. In fact, he, he commanded that of his disciples. But you see, there's also something else. He says, you know, God, there's some things I just don't know what you want for me. <clears throat> and sometimes we ask God and heaven's just silent. 
Why, God, what do you want? And it's in those moments that we need to look into what he's spoken to us. Like sometimes, uh, and I have frustration, and Christians are like, well, God's not talking to me. Well, he's, he wrote you an entire book. <laughs> He'd love to talk to you. And it's, it's not that this is like, uh, I always, I'm fond of what Matt Chandler says, you know, so it's not a road map for your life. Like there definitely are some maps in the back. But what it is is, it's truly God's will revealed to you. If you wonder what God wants, it's in here. If you wonder what God loves, it's in here. If you wonder what you should love, love what he loves. And that's the beauty of when you say, if the Lord wills this or that, I'll do it. Because sometimes we make our own choices. And 99% of the time we look back on those choices with regret. Because we didn't take time to stop and consult the Lord of what he wanted. Now, you'll say to me, well, Brett, listen, there's going to be some times that God's just not going to care about what I do, right? Like, I'm going to eat pizza for lunch. I don't think God's going to really be like, no pizza. No, but this is what James is saying. Always ask God if you've got a you show up somewhere it's meant like a Christian doesn't just show up places right like for instance if, if Jesus walked through the back door right now he didn't just show up somewhere he's here for a purpose God sends us into people's lives for a purpose I met someone yesterday I have no idea what God's purpose is for me to do but I know that my purpose is to tell him about Christ. Because that's what the Lord wants. And it says this. But as it is, and James is saying, you know, you don't ask about God. You don't ask God what he says. And as that is, you boast in your arrogance, and all such boasting is evil. So this is a hard passage today, right? Like it's like, man, God, you just right on the toes. What God's saying is, he says, you know, all the times that you don't ask me what, what I want for you, you're sitting in my seat. You're sitting in my seat, right? If you're a Christian, you have the Holy Spirit and you've, you've surrendered. When, you're, when you prayed the prayer, or when you had that conversion moment, I hope that one of the things you reasoned in your heart was that he is Lord and I am not. And if you don't reason that, you need to look back and reason. Because that's salvation. Saying, God is Lord and I am not. And if you let the Holy Spirit have that place in your heart that he wants, that he is Lord and you are not, you can't take it back. Because that's what James is saying. He says it's, it's arrogance. You think you can do a better job than God. Trust me, if I was God, I already told you guys. I just, you know, there's some people like, got it. You know, there's evil in the world, just got him again. But God knows what he's doing. And he's much better at it than I would ever be. I love the story of Job, right? 
we have Job. And I don't think any of us are going through a Job situation. If you are, please come tell me because that's some, some supernatural stuff that we all need to pray about. But Job would lose his entire family, lose everything he owned, go through a time where his best friends would come to him and be like, well, I don't know what you did, but you're, you're a pretty big sinner. We go through all of this questioning, and at the end of the book, when we expect God to show up and be like, you know what, Job, I just want you to know it was all just so, you know, people 2,000 years ago can read your story and be encouraged. I want you to know these things. I want you to know that's why I did it to you. No, God didn't do that. God shows up on the scene. He says, Job, I got a question for you. Did you create anything? Did you make anything in this world? Did you create any of the animals? It was Job's like, no, not really. He goes, did you put the stars in the sky, Job? Well, you know, no, I didn't. He goes, I did. And I know exactly what I'm doing. And there are times, Spurgeon said it best, he said, when you can't trace his hand, you have to trust his heart. Sometimes you don't know what God's doing, right? You're just like, I don't get it. <laughs> I, just, I just don't get it. And God says, you have to trust that I know what I'm doing. So, how many of you in here are artistic, right? Anybody? Just me? No, I'm just kidding. Not me. Um, if you've ever sat down and watched someone paint or watched someone draw, it fascinates me, right? Because truly, they'll start and they'll just be like, a line. And I'm like, ha I could make that. And then they'll start drawing lines off and pulling around and loops. And I'm like, I could do loops. And then by the end of it, they've done so many things and they've all the intricacies, and they've gone through this whole process, and I'm like, yeah, I couldn't do that. Because sometimes I don't know what they're making in the beginning, right? I see, see a line, right? But in their mind, they're like, this is going to be a tiger. And I'm like, I don't see it. I don't see what you have for me. And our lives are like that. Sometimes we're just in the midst of, God, I don't see it. I don't see it. What are you doing? And God said, listen, I got this. And this is not just something that James says. We're going to flip over real quickly into Luke. Because I want you guys to see this is just not something that James says. James is echoing his brother's words. Jesus would speak about many things, and, and in Luke 12, he starts talking to his disciples about a cure for an anxiety, and, and how it would be how it would be cured. And it's just he, right before he speaks on anxiety, he says this: Someone from the crowd said to Jesus, "Teacher, tell my brother to divide his inheritance with me." Literally, tell my brother to be fair. If you've got kids, you've heard that. He said, 
Fred, who appointed me judge or arbiter over you? And then he told him, he said, watch out. Be on guard against all greed, because one's life is not in the abundance of his possessions. So James is just echoing that statement when he says, you said you're going to go into such and such city, you're going to make all this money, you're going to do all these things. Verse 16, he says, then he told a parable, he said, a rich man, his land was very productive. And he thought to himself, what should I do since I don't have anywhere to store my crops? That's a pretty big problem, right? He's like, oh, I have so much food, I have nowhere to put it. What am I going to do? What am I going to do? He says, I'll do this. I'll tear down my barn, and I'll, big, I'll build bigger ones. And I'll store all my grain and all my goods, all the tractors. And he says, I'll build bigger ones. And then I'll say to myself, you have many goods stored up for many years. Take it. Take it easy. Eat, drink, and enjoy yourself. But God said to him, you fool, this very night your life is demanded of you. And the things that you've prepared, whose will they be? On this earth, and we're going to jump back into James in just a second because he has something very important to tell us about this. On this earth, our, our possessions and the goods that we have stocked up, um, they're enjoyable. They're pleasurable. And Jesus isn't saying, you know, don't enjoy it. What he's saying is, if you enjoy it more than kingdom worth, you have a problem. You have a struggle. There's nothing wrong, right? So, for instance, um, if you guys have uh, Brother Lambert on your Facebook, I watch him cook the most delicious meats ever <laughs> while eating Stouffer's lasagna. And, uh, and I look and I'm just like, oh, man, some good meats, right? Some good meats, sometimes a little pour-over coffee. Yeah. <laughs> but I watch these things, I'm like, I almost want to covet all of his steak. <laughs> but I'm a pastor. No, no, no. But no. But God told me, he said, listen, it's not really about those things. Those things are great. Those things are wonderful, right? Those things are delicious. But God says it's, it's about more than that. Elsewhere in the gospel, Jesus would say, don't store up treasures for yourself here, but store them up in heaven where moth and rust can't get them. What that means is this. And guess what moth and rust can't get? Relationships. And if you spend your time investing in people, that cannot, that cannot go wrong. Now, the people may disappoint you. In fact, I'd be honest to say they probably will. If you invest enough in my relationship with you, I will probably disappoint you at some point. We're all human. But God said it's paramount that you invest in these relationships because your life isn't long enough for you just to waste time. You know, looking in the, in the Old Testament, Methuselah had a lot of years. And even his life wasn't long enough for him to waste time. Because our lives come and they go and they ebb and they flow. And you'll have good times, you'll have bad times. But no one can take away from you investing in someone else. No one can take away from you going to that person 
who you know is in need and saying, I'm just here. I don't know what it means. I don't know what you need, but I'm just here. And in fact, James is going to close with a comment about that. Now, if you uh, have been in the church for very long, you know this next verse. Uh, in fact, uh, as a recovering legalist that I am, this verse was quoted to me probably more than any other verse in the entire Bible. Um, and it was used out of context for many things. Well, if you know you should do your prayers today and you didn't, God's mad at you. Here's what the context actually means. It says, listen, in all the things you can do, in all the things of your life, with all the things that you can accomplish, Christian struggles not necessarily with good and bad. That's easy. Christian struggles with better and best. Because there are some things that are just good for you, but there's other things that are better, and there's some things that are best for you to be doing. Is it bad? No. But could you be making a better choice? Yes. If you know that, James says to you, if you know to do good and you don't do it, then it becomes sin because it hinders your relationship with the Father. Christians, God has set us in a unique point in time. Some of you may believe, as I do, that I was born in the wrong decade. I should have been born in the 20s. I just know it. I feel it in my bones. But God has placed me in this point in time in a place that I never thought I would visit, Raleigh was just a song in, ra in Wagon Wheel that I just listened to, right? I didn't know that I was ever going to visit there. It was a long way from home. Um, and God has placed me here individually to accomplish his purpose. And I have something to live up to. And Christian, you've been placed in a context and relationships with people that I don't know, that I can't reach, but you can So tell me you don't have anything to accomplish for the kingdom. You have so much to accomplish for the kingdom. It's your job. We will empower you as your leadership, as your friends, as your, as your pastors. We will come along beside you and do everything we can to just push you on. But that's your ministries. And each of you have one. It's like theology. It's not that you don't have it. You just have a good one or a bad one. Same thing with ministry. Each of you have a ministry. It's either a good one or it needs some repair. And James says, if you know you should be doing something and you're just not doing it, then do it. Because, guys, sometimes we forget. And, and I joke earlier about how glorious that day is and how wonderful it is. But sometimes we leave behind the fact that Jesus is coming back. And he's not waiting. He's not waiting on you and me to finish whatever we wanted to do. When it's time, he says, I'm just going to show up. He's like, you might have said, well, well, maybe, you know, if I, maybe tomorrow I'll give him a call because maybe they're just having a bad day. You're not promised tomorrow. He said, what you have is right now. You have right now. 
And that means a couple different things. That means if you're a Christian, you're called to do that ministry right now. You're called to be that friend right now. And it means if you don't know Christ, Christ is saying, right now. Because I came, I showed you my love, I died for you. I've already done all of my part. On the cross, I said it's finished because it was. All the reconciliation between you and God is done. And I'm calling you now. But Christian, my encouragement for you is that as we, as a church, begin to get involved and, and, and as we go forward in ministry to this area, to this town, and to hopefully this nation, you got to find your ministry there. And not only that, but you are called not to just live a life. John says you're called a life to live abundantly, which means you're called to succeed in your ministry. And I love you enough to tell you that. I love you enough to tell you that it might be that up to this day you've been failing those around you. Today's different. And I pray that we would not take the teeth out of the lion of the tribe of Judah and that we would let Jesus speak for himself. And that we would take Jesus to a world and we are not responsible for their decisions, but we are responsible for their hearing. I'll say that again. We are not responsible for their decisions, but we are responsible for them hearing. So if the people around you haven't heard, whose fault is it? people around me haven't heard it's my fault it's my fault with that in mind will you bow with me in prayer God even now we see your word God we are we know if we don't do what you called us to do, God. It is nothing but rebellion in the kingdom. God, let there not be rebellious souls in this church. Let us all surrender to the king. To kneel at your throne and to rise and go into whatever ministry you call us. There may be fear, there may be apprehension. But we all are called. God, for those who, who may not know you, Father, I'm going to ask for their boldness. And church, if there's, if there's one of you in here who may not know God today, you don't know if you, were, if you died today where you'd end up. Maybe you're confused. Maybe you're just, you don't understand. I'm going to ask you to do something for me. I'm not going to ask you to stand up. I'm not going to ask you to raise your hand. But with everyone else and every head bowed and every eye closed, I'm going to ask if you don't know Christ, if you would just look up with me long enough for our eyes to meet, that I would know what you say, and that I would be able to pray for you.
and for you Christians in this church this is a call this is a call from God to if you have been failing your ministry to turn it around if you've been failing those around you to stop because we can do this through Christ and Christ wants to empower you and strengthen you he doesn't want there to be any shame if you have failed Christ there is no shame we are all meeting at the level ground of the cross we repent and we move forward God doesn't love you any less he just wants you to do more and not because he requires it for your salvation just because there's a lost world that needs us. Christian, you've been saved by all the free grace of God. and the mercies of God, you have been given grace. Turn and extend it to those in need. God, thank you for this day. Thank you for everything that you've spoken in your word today. God, we praise you. God, we want to honor you with our lives. God, help me in my failures. God, that I would not be ashamed, but that I would just turn and be a triumphant warrior for you. God, you've won the war. Sometimes I even get discouraged at the battle. God, let me take encouragement from you. Let me love you more. God, let me turn into a world that's dying and needs you. And let me have boldness to speak your word. That's my prayer for me. That's my prayer for every Christian in this church. God help us. Amen. Thank you, Pastor Brad, for the <coughs> one today.